Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 1 through 6, called, He Who Began a Work in You. Philippians chapter 1. Uh, This is a treasured uh, letter, and I think for many of you here tonight, this is a letter, this is a go-to letter in terms of scriptures that you've memorized, um, so many beautiful nuggets in this A wonderful letter, and I know it is going to encourage you as it has encouraged me over the years. Uh, Incredible, uh, rich, encouraging letter that Paul writes to the Philippian congregation. We're going to set a little of the backdrop of the letter, and we will move through the first six verses tonight with the title, He Who Began a Good Work in You. And then there's an ellipsis there, but I think most of you know it. He will complete it. He who began that good work in you will complete it to the day of Christ. So that is the beauty of where we're headed tonight. The overall theme of the Philippian letter, although it could be debated among those who look at the letter and teach the letter, for me, is the attitude of Christ. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I would call that the practical and theological center of the letter, And we'll touch on that after we pray. So would you join me? Father, thank you so much for this precious time of worship that we've had as your people. This almost could be maybe a picture of what the Philippian church looked like. It wasn't a big church, but it was a beautiful church. It was a church filled with love and gospel passion and truth and love for the apostle Paul who had come through there and planted the church and a reciprocal love relationship, no doubt that uh, can only be really found in the people of God. There's nothing like the church in all the world. And as many problems as we can talk about, there's nothing like the family of God. No deeper relationship that will last not only for time, but all the way through eternity. We're so grateful for these deep relationships we enjoy. I pray that you'd help us to connect more if we don't feel as connected as we could be. But tonight, Lord, we pray you would minister to your people through this incredible divine letter. And I pray also that you would shape us to be more like your son as we put on the mind of Christ and we live out that uh, priority in everything we do, everything we say, how we pray, Lord, and how we live. We love you and we lay the whole study at your feet. We pray you'll do wonderful exciting and miraculous things in Jesus name and all God's people said, amen. So I'd like you, and I think it's going to be hard for you to make the letter of the Philippian letter personal to you, but I want to show you what I believe is the center and the theme of the book or the letter. And it's going to be in the next chapter, Philippians chapter two, Uh, Paul's talking about encouragement in Christ and affection and love and unity And he says in verse 3 of Philippians 2, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And then here's the big theme of the book. Have this attitude in yourselves, 
which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, what uh, Paul does here, which is a little bit unusual, is he will often in his letters move from a doctrinal reality, a theological truth about Christ or who you are in Christ, and then to your duty as a response to that doctrine. Here, he actually flips it around and he says, this is your duty not to look only for your own personal interest, to put others before yourself. And then he tells you the doctrine behind the duty. In other words, he tells you what you should be doing and what theological doctrine drives that behavior. And here's what it is. Although Christ existed in very nature God or in the form of God, we'll talk about that when we get to this passage, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. But he emptied himself. He took the form of a bondservant and was made in the likeness of men. Now, I'll leave that uh, alone for tonight because I'm not going to exegete the next chapter. We're going to go back to chapter one. But I do want you to know that having this attitude or this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, is something to be thinking about as a big theme throughout every section. And of course, we only have four chapters to share And so these are four power-packed chapters. And I believe if your heart is open to the Holy Spirit and how God would shape and form you, you're going to see some incredible things to think about, to apply, and to model your life after. So um, he who began a good work in you is tonight the big theme, the attitude of Christ. Kind of a sub-theme is joy. This is a letter of joy. It's about perspective. It's also about serving. It's about having a joyous attitude, but also having an attitude of service. And the two do go together. It's about an attitude of humility. If Christ was uh, willing to leave the glories of heaven and humble himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, then we can humble ourselves as well, can we not? And we can live for the glory of God and put others before ourselves. And I'm not saying that that's easy, but that is the point of the center of this particular letter is for us to live like Jesus, to have his mind, his attitude in everything that we do. And we're going to need God's help for all of that. Paul wrote this particular letter somewhere between 60 and 62 AD. He wrote it during his first Roman imprisonment. And uh, he penned also during that Roman imprisonment, uh, Ephesians, and these are uh, books that you're familiar with, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Uh, Shane just finished up the the series in Philemon. So these are called the prison epistles. Uh, Epistle is another word for a letter. Both Colossians and Philemon were written to the same church. The author of Philippians is the Apostle Paul. And the the end of the book of Acts, if uh, you turn there with me, uh, lays this out. The end of the book of Acts shows us what was going on with Paul and when he wrote these prison epistles. Let's turn to the very last chapter, chapter 28, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and pick it up with me, 28, let's see, verse 30. So it's the last two verses of the book of Acts. And Paul stayed two full years in his own rented quarters. He was under some form of house arrest. He was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. 
Now, during that two years, if you take a look at verse 30, uh, is when scholars believe that he wrote those four letters I just gave you. One more time, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. That's why they're called prison epistles. Uh, Paul's not literally behind bars as we would envision arrests. He's under some form of house arrest. And you might picture it more in modern uh, ways of thinking with the little thing around your ankle. Hopefully none of you have had to experience that before, where they're tracking you and you can't, you really don't have full freedom, but you're not behind bars as it were. That's what seems to be going on with the Apostle Paul. And during those two years, he was obviously doing a lot of ministry and he had unhindered opportunities. People came to him. He shared the kingdom of God with them. And uh, during that time, he also had the time to write these four letters. Now, in Acts chapter 16, we have the backdrop of the Philippian church and how it came to be. Let's turn there together so that we can see how this church emerged and how it was planted. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to pick it up in verse 10. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out Acts 16, 11 to see from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and on the day following to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, here's the city to which this letter is written or the church in the city, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia a Roman colony. Uh, It was conquered by Rome, therefore became a Roman colony or extension of the Roman uh, kingdom or empire. And we were staying in this city for some days. So now here's what they would do on, when they would go into different cities in the book of Acts, Paul's on these missionary journeys. The first thing they would do is look for a synagogue. Paul was a Jewish rabbi, So he usually would have an opportunity to speak to a group of Jews assembled on Shabbat or on the Sabbath, and he would open the Word of God, he would open the Old Testament, begin to preach Jesus to them, and then that's kind of how they would start, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But we find in this particular city is that there is not a Jewish synagogue, so that tells us that there's a very small population of Jews there. But on the Sabbath day, 1613, we went outside the gate to a riverside. Uh, That's a neighboring city to us. Some of you live there. Just kidding. And we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. If you're marking your Bible or taking notes, Lydia is the first story of transformation in the area of Philippi. Notice that she's described as a worshiper of God. She's a businesswoman. She's listening. And the Lord opens her heart to respond to the gospel. And when she and her her household had been baptized, which is always the next step after commitment to Christ or belief is baptism. She urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us and some believe her house became the place where the church met. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. If you're marking your Bible or taking notes, Lydia is the first story of transformation in the area of Philippi. Notice that she's described as a worshiper of God. She's a businesswoman. She's listening, and the Lord opens her heart to respond to the gospel. And when she and her her household had been baptized, which is always the next step after commitment to Christ or belief is baptism, she urged us, saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And some believe her house became the place where the church met. And it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, these men are bond servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed. Some of you need to mark that because apparently it's biblical to be greatly annoyed, which gives me great encouragement. And she turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion being Jews and are proclaiming customs which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe being Romans. The crowd rose up together against them and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into a prison, into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them in the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. 
And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling uh, with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now the Philippian jailer is the third transformation in the city. The second is the servant girl. So let me just kind of retrace our steps for a moment. Lydia, the demon-possessed servant girl, and the Philippian jailer are all early members of the Philippian congregation, all touched by the ministry of the Apostle Paul along with Silas in this Roman city, which would have been dominated by uh, you know, false worship and idolatry and the like. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, 32, together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. What a beautiful picture of repentance and regret. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Now that is the backdrop of the Philippian church, how it was uh, set up, what happened. And this is what happens in every area of the world where a actual church emerges, uh, whether you were to go into the bush and you know, meet a tribe there who's never heard about God and you preach the gospel and a few people become Christians, then a church is automatically started. Do you know why? Because a church is not a building. <laughs> the church is the people of God. The church is you. And so if two or three people got saved in the city of Philippi, they are the church. And whether they met in the Philippian jailer's house or Lydia's house is almost irrelevant because they were born again Christians who were baptized and and experienced being born again of the Holy Spirit. And then they began to live their life for the glory of God. And this is the backdrop of the Philippian congregation is Paul going into the city and simply preaching the gospel, finding at first, if you turn back to Philippians, just a place where people might assemble for prayer and, and preaching the gospel. And Lydia opens her, ha- her heart and then her household is touched. And then a servant girl walking along. These are servants of the most high God come to tell you the way of salvation. What's the problem? She's free advertising, right? Well, there's a lot of debate about why there was an issue there. But here's one thing we know. Paul was greatly annoyed. And even being greatly annoyed, he said to the spirit, come out of her. And she was delivered. Not a whole lot of uh, commentary on, you know, what that looked like or what happened. But we know her owners were unhappy because she was a cash cow for them. They didn't care about her. They just cared about what she got for them which apparently was omens or sorcery or something. And so her owners were making money off of her. And then the Philippian jailer who, you know, the prisoners are hearing Paul and Silas sing hymns at midnight. They've been beaten. They've been put in stocks. My understanding of being put in stocks 
at that time in history is that they would spread you out, spread your legs as far as they could spread them and then lock you into place. And that's what it meant to be in the stocks. We sometimes imagine the stocks being the arms and the and the head through something. But in the ancient world, it was actually your feet that were spread out and then they locked you into place. After just being beaten, and by the way, not in a first-class penitentiary, no doubt. And yet, at the same time, these men begin to sing praises to God. The other prisoners are listening. And then there was a whole lot of shaking going on. <laughs> because what happened? The prison shook. The fast, you know, the, the cuffs came off. The doors opened. And it would have been easy for everyone just to exit stage left. And the Philippian jailer was like, uh-oh, I'm dead because I let all these prisoners out of my prison. But Paul said, don't harm yourself because that's not why we're here. Jesus put it this way. I haven't come to, to harm men's lives. I, I've come to save them. So the Philippian church starts with three portraits of transformation. Every church is filled with portraits of transformation. All you got to do is look around right now. And every one of us have a story about hearing the gospel being touched by the power of God. If you're a Christian, experiencing being born again of the Holy Spirit, probably for most of you, entering into a time of baptism, maybe soon after you got saved, maybe it was a few years or a few months, and coming out of that water and experiencing the beauty of that picture of being one and being in Christ and having a family who bore witness to that baptism and then growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, finding out what your spiritual gifts are, learning to serve the King, learning what it means to live for God and live for others. What a beautiful thing the Lord does in our lives. You've been listening to He Who Began a Work in You, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. And that's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 1 through 6. Hey, we'd love to connect with our listeners. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the team here a letter. We love mail. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Or you can get it now. Our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address if you're ready. You can write Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California 92878. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, as we transition to a new book here on Walk in Truth, the amazing book of Philippians. Now, how would I summarize this book? Well, we've called it Have This Attitude in You, which was also in Christ Jesus, or we've kind of condense that a little more and called it the attitude of Christ. How do we have the same attitude that Jesus had? The attitude of servant, the attitude of joy, the attitude of um, putting others above yourself. Well, that's what we explore in the amazing book of Philippians, The Attitude of Christ, beginning on July 1st on Walk in Truth. So excited. Uh, because the book of Philippians has been described as a book of joy, but it's much more than that. It's a book about how to walk out a deep walk with the Lord, how to know him, the power of his resurrection, and even the fellowship of his sufferings. 
it's a book about hope. It's a book about joy, love, but it's mostly a book about how to walk with Christ and have that same attitude as he had, the attitude of a servant. Did you know that if you're a believer, he began a good work in you, not just a work, a good work in you, and he who began a good work will complete it to the day of Christ. This is Pastor Michael. This is Walk in Truth. Hey, we're so glad you're listening. I pray that you have an amazing weekend. Make sure you're serving the Lord in your church. If you want to join us for services in the city of Corona, the church is Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, 91 Freeway, Lincoln Avenue, two services on Sunday morning, 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. If you want to find out information, driving directions, It's walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. That's walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. Hey, have a great weekend. God bless you. We'll see you either Sunday or Monday. Talk to you then. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. Now, whether you can give financially or not, would you please spread the word of Walk in Truth around your community? You can tell a couple people to either listen on this station or find Walk in Truth on their podcast app. And join us on Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 1 through 6, called He Who Began a Work in You. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.